TAI Item 330, December 5th, 2014. TAIG Jailbreak for iOS 8.1.1. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by lynda.com. Learn the top software, creative, and business skills from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com. To start your free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash TII. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jeff for sending in the music you hear in the background. Jeff wrote, Hi, Rob, made this song called Unfurled with my iPhone 4S using the GarageBand app. For free downloads and more music, follow me at JeffJ6 on Twitter. Regards, JeffJ. Well, thanks, Jeff, for the music. And, folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. also want to thank Rel for sending in the artwork for today's show. Rel wrote, Hi, Rob. For this artwork, I used my iPhone 6 for taking the photo, then edited it with Snapseed, Square Ready, PS Express, Free Magic, and the Fonto apps. And if you'd like to see some of my photography, I'm Sundisk at Instagram. So Instagram.com slash Sundisk. Happy holidays, Rel R. Well, Rel, thanks again for sending in the artwork. And folks, you can see Rel's artwork in the free TI app via the bonus button for episode 330. Or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork and also as a standalone post in the VIP section at Facebook.com slash Today in iOS. If you have some artwork and or music, you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com. And please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, once America's untouchable brand, the Apple brand has faltered. People now question Apple's sustainability. Some now recognize Apple is vulnerable and think its best times are behind it. And it's all because Samsung ignored the industry lock-in to constantly focus on product and instead changed the game on Apple. But at least for now, Samsung has demonstrated how a competitor can change the game on a market leader, even a leader as successful and powerful as Apple. And Samsung's leaders deserve a lot of credit for seeing the opportunity and seizing it." Unquote. Adam Hartung Forbes, 4th of April, 2013. But wait a second. If Samsung has seized the, on the opportunity, why has it missed all its targets this year? And why is it Apple that is now making about 80% of all the cell phone profits? Yeah, Apple has really faltered. Just saying. I want to say congrats to Dario P, who won the Krusta case. And since I don't have any promo codes for apps or iBooks this week, but I do have a third Krusta case to give away, well, I'm going to give the third Krusta case away. I'll do the same thing as last time. If you mention episode 330 on Twitter or Facebook or write a review on iTunes and let me know by emailing me todayinios at gmail.com with a link to your tweet or Facebook post or review in iTunes or just mentioning your review in iTunes and what your name was, I will enter you in a chance to win the Krusta case. Sorry, just in the U.S. for winners, as I have to ship this out of my own pocket. Uh, so 
Just email me, again, after you tweet, Facebook, or write a review, and I will pick a winner prior to episode 322 and announce the winner on 322. And the Crusted Case is still the one I am using for my iPhone 6 Plus. does a really good job on giving it protection uh, that I really need, especially with an 8- and a 6-year-old in the house always wanting to get on my iPhone 6 Plus, so I don't have to worry about it. For those of you with apps or iBooks, shame on you for not sending in promo codes Bad marketer, bad marketer. Because as I say on every episode, if you are an app developer or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, Please make sure to let me know when they expire. IBM did their yearly online sales analysis for Thanksgiving weekend and Cyber Monday sales. And what did they find out? Quote, iOS versus Android. iOS once again led the way in mobile shopping this holiday season, outpacing Android across three key metrics on Cyber Monday. Average order value. iOS users averaged $114.79 per order compared to $96.84 for Android users, a difference of 18.5%. Online traffic, iOS traffic accounted for 28.7% of total online traffic, more than double that of Android, which drove 12.2% of all online traffic. Online sales, iOS sales accounted for 17.4% of total online sales, more than four times that of Android, which drove 4.4% of all online sales, unquote. So even though, quote unquote, Android is winning in market share when it comes to actual usage share, making purchases, and whatnot, iOS kills Android. Some say Android market share is four times that of iOS. If that is true, then outpacing Android 4X for total sales means it is really 16X per iOS device versus each Android device. Just like how with podcast consumption, it's 6 to 1 ratio overall, but on a per-device comparison, an average iOS device is downloads 25 times more podcasts than an average Android device. People just use their iOS device to do more. Via consuming free podcasts or spending cold hard cash, iOS is definitely the king. And that is great news for us iOS users because IBM is not releasing this info into a vacuum. Retailers take notice of these numbers. And if you know iOS is getting you four times more revenue overall and 16 times more revenue per user, well then guess what? When you make changes to your site and roll out new apps, it is a pretty simple decision on who to support first. And it ain't Android. Also, one other interesting bit of info. For the first year, mobile devices drove more than 50% of all online traffic on Thanksgiving and over the whole holiday weekend. So congrats, mobile devices, and congrats, iOS. Another month, another something gate for Apple. This time, it is Crescent Gate, although some are calling it Selfie Gate. Personally, I think Selfie Gate goes back to the whole iCloud naked pictures hack gate. So let's just go with Crescent Gate. And now this is not about spreading butter on pastries. That would be croissant gate. Um, And I'm pretty sure croissant is technically a pastry. 
uh, if, I'm, if not, I'm sure I'll get an email or two about that. But we are talking Crescent, not Croissant, and Crescent Gate is about the iPhone 6. Again, a very small percentage of units uh, where the front-facing camera is out of alignment, which is a fancy way of saying it moved internally, and now part of the lens is being blocked by the case where the hole is supposed to be. And you get this little crescent on your image of your selfie. So far, no one listening to the show has reported this issue with their iPhone 6. Again, this looks to be very, very small number-wise and much smaller percentage-wise. Uh, and it's, of course, it's just the iPhone, or as mentioned, it's just the iPhone 6 users being affected by this. But hey, if your selfies have a crescent on them, let me know. Of course, if you do have this issue, just take it to the local Apple store and they will no doubt replace said unit. Apple's good like that. Email me today in iOS at gmail.com with a picture uh, if you have this issue before you return said unit. Keep the selfie civil, please. Now that iOS 8 is finally at a point where I can recommend it fully for anyone to upgrade to, and now that over 60% of iOS users are on iOS 8, I thought it would be a good time to go back to some of the stuff I posted this summer when I was talking about new features in the iOS 8 beta that were discovered and those that made it through to the Goldmaster. Interesting, some did not. First off, in settings... General Siri, there is now a new feature, Allow Hey Siri, where it's, if turned on and the iOS device is connected to power, you can activate Siri by saying, Hey Siri, unless you live in Philly, New York, or Long Island, where you would say, Yo Siri. Okay, made that last one up. Getting some good mileage out of that joke. Well, at least some mileage. In Spotlight Search, they added an option for Spotlight Suggestions. In Accessibilities, Speech, there is a new feature called Speak Screen. When enabled, if you swipe down with two fingers from the top of the screen, you will hear the content of the screen be read to you, and you can control how fast or slow it speaks them, and even have them highlight it as it speaks. Uh, that is a very cool feature. Staying with accessibility, there is a new grayscale option uh, that, for your icons and other colors, converts everything to grayscale. This is also added as one of the options for the triple tapping the home button, along with voiceover, invert color, zoom, switch control, and assistive touch. There is now an option called video descriptions. When activated uh, and when available with videos, automatically plays video descriptions. Another new feature, and one of my favorites, comes under Usage, which is a very cool one. It tells you the percentage of battery used by different apps in the last 24 hours and the last 7 days. For example, 27% of my battery usage in the last 24 hours went to Home and Lock Screen, 23% to, to Phone, 22% to Pebble. Huh? Gotta check that out. 10% to Mail, 5% to Settings. It does not show usage when charging, just battery usage well and well using the battery. Under Mail Contacts Calendars, under the Calendars part, one for potential battery hoggishness is called Time Zone Override. By default, it is set off. Quote, the Time Zone Override always shows event dates and times in the selected time zone. When off, 
events will display according to the time zone of your current location, unquote. Anytime I hear current location, I think battery drain. So turn that one on. Again, it has, it was time zone override. And that is under mail context calendars under the calendar section. I had forgot about that one, so I just turned that on. Another new item under calendars is alternate calendars. You can now also select from Chinese, Hebrew, and Islamic calendars. And finally, under calendars, there are toggles for week numbers and also show invite uh, declines. The latter is on by default. The former is not. Those were some of the major and noticeable changes in the settings app from notifications down to mail contacts calendars. We will go over updates from other episodes of this past summer for new features in future episodes. Thanks again to Linda for sponsoring this episode. If you go to lynda.com slash TII, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII, you will get a free 10-day trial to their service. Sign up on a Friday evening, you get the whole weekend, the following week, and then the following weekend as well. You can go through a lot of video tutorials in 10 days. And Linda offers over 3,100 high-quality video courses taught by industry experts. Yes, 3,100 is over 50% more than I've been saying all along. Linda is constantly growing their inventory of great content for you. And Linda is an all-you-can-eat for $25 a month subscription service with the best and highest quality video tutorials to teach you how to do everything you need to know to get ahead in your business or to take better photos or to learn how to get started in a new business or venture, like say how to program an iOS app or just beefing up your current knowledge in one area of programming or another. One thing I look forward to each week is the email from Linda listing some of the new video tutorials available this week. The one that jumped out at me is iPhone and iPad photography with iOS 8 which is two hours and five minute long video going over shooting and editing photos, adjusting exposure, the enhanced editing controls in iOS 8, and more. Of course, there are many, many other video tutorials covering major software and business skills you need to get ahead at work or to get, a, to get work for that matter. Linda is an all-you-can-eat monthly service. Watch anytime and as often as you like from your computer or iOS device on the go. And you don't need to take my word for the breadth and quality of their tutorials and service. You can check them out right now for yourself for free for 10 days by going to lynda.com slash TII. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII. And you can check out the tutorials I just mentioned, plus many more for the next 10 days. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring this episode. Hi, Rob. Just a quick note, I upgraded to iOS 8.1.1 after listening to your podcast, and I have encountered a problem. After the update, I have lost the ringtones and alert tone I purchased a few weeks ago. If I go to iTunes, it prompts me to purchase them again. From what I've read online, I'm not the only one with this person. I really hope Apple fixes this issue. Just wanted to give you a heads up. Regards, Derek. Hey, Rob, it's Gary Belts from Kennedy Township again. I just wanted to make a comment on the uh, people that may be losing their ringtones and other sound downloads from the iTunes store. Um, it's happening to me, too, after upgrading to 8.1.1. But uh, if you contact Apple, they are well aware of this problem. It's not just me, and it's not just any other users that have complained on your show about it, 
if you contact them, they will issue you refunds. So just wanted to let you know that. Take care. Gary, thanks for that feedback. Here's a little tip that I discovered this past week. In Siri, if you want to play a podcast, you can say this. Play Common Sense with Dan Carlin, latest episode. Or play Today in iOS podcast, latest episode. But don't say newest episode, even though that is what Siri says. If you say it, it does not seem to work. Say latest episode, like this. Play Common Sense with Dan Carlin, latest episode. Here's the podcast Common Sense with Dan Carlin, starting with the newest episode. Sometimes the general public can just sort of stay out of the way if they can. Sometimes they get caught in the crossfire, but by and large, um, you know, whether you're talking about Prohibition era Chicago where Al Capone is shooting it out with members of uh, Dutch Schultz's gang, maybe, or um, or the O'Banion gang or whatever, and, and citizens can say, well, listen, you know, they just kill each other. Isn't that the old line from the mafia? Don't worry, we just kill each other. Again, it doesn't work if you say newest episode. You have to say latest episode, even though Siri says newest episode. But nice little tip there for those of you driving around and trying to play different podcasts that you have on your iPhone and you want it to play the latest episode and or as it says, the newest episode. To the email bag. Hi, Rob. I have my iPhone 5S running iOS 8.1.1 paired with my Bluetooth receiver in my car when I press and hold the home button to engage Siri. She wants to talk to me over my Bluetooth receiver. Problem is, the microphone does not capture my instructions clearly enough, so words would get dropped or misunderstood. Now when I engage Siri, the first thing I do is tap the source button on the bottom right, select the iPhone, then talk to her. I'd like to eliminate this step. Do you know if there's a way to set the default for Siri's audio source to the iPhone? Regards, Stu in Louisville. Hi, Stu. I was initially thinking there was an accessibility control for this, but there is just one for call audio routing, but not for Siri control, at least that I can see. If anyone knows a way to force Siri to use the mic on your iPhone rather than the Bluetooth receiver in your car when it's connected to the receiver in your car, Please let us know, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hey, Rob. Scott from Des Moines, Iowa. I wanted to comment on your last episode, I believe it was 329, where you had a visually impaired uh, iOS user having issues with her Bluetooth keyboard and her iPad mini uh, using VoiceOver. I would recommend, if she's not already up to iOS 8.1.1, that she go ahead and upgrade the the iPad mini to 8.1.1. That should fix a lot of the Bluetooth keyboard and VoiceOver issues. I know that that was one of the major things that did get fixed in 8.1.1 was issues with pairing Bluetooth keyboards and VoiceOver. Now, not all keyboards, my understanding, is have been fixed, but a lot of them have. So if she's still having issues with the Logitech Bluetooth keyboard, I would recommend updating to iOS 8.1.1. That should fix that uh, Bluetooth keyboard and voiceover issue. Love the show. I've been listening to it for a little over a year now. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Scott, thanks for the feedback. We are now over 1,700 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined and thanks for the great posts. One new post in Google Plus community that went up since the last episode came out is from me, and it was about Chromecast, and there are a bunch of replies. See, I needed to buy one to do some app testing for work, and there was a sale at Target on Thanksgiving night, and even at under $30, I feel it is wasted money. If I didn't have to get it for testing, I would have returned it by now. Uh, I set it up, tested it for a couple of days, and now it is in my box uh, or in the box on my desk where I will only use it for testing. Here's the deal. 
there are a lot of posts coming out comparing different video streaming boxes or devices. Apple TV versus Roku versus Chromecast. Except Chromecast is nothing like Apple TV or Roku. Chromecast is essentially just AirPlay. That's it. When people say it is a streaming device, that would be like calling an HDMI cable for your iPhone a streaming device. It's not a streaming device. Now, if you buy it because you need a wireless HDMI cable, that's fine. It will meet those needs as long as the apps you have support it. But do not think of it as a streaming device. Roku, yes. Apple TV, yes. Amazon Fire TV, yes. All are streaming devices. Chromecast, nope. It is just a $35 wireless HDMI cable at best. So if you were tempted to buy one, just remember that and understand what you are getting. You still need a device with a compatible app to get content to your TV with Chromecast, whereas with Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, you get a remote and a standalone box that you can then use to play content with no third-party device needed. Sorry, now that I have one, I just wanted to let listeners know how basically useless this device is on its own. And I really wish people would stop comparing it to real streaming devices. Soapbox, I do now step down. In another post on Google+, a member was asking, should they get the iPad Air 2 or the iPad Air original? First, let me say this. I only recommend the -the top-of-the-line devices that are available today. And that today could be any day, whatever today it is for you. Right now, for me today, December 5th, iPhone 6 or 6 Plus and iPad Air 2 are what I recommend. But more so with the iPads, as you will have them four years plus. So when buying one, get the most up-to-date device. I no longer can recommend the iPad Mini. It is a full generation behind the iPad Air 2 as far as processors go. Now, to get to spe- into specifics, uh, which I, eh, you know what, I don't want to get into specifics. There are lots and lots of reasons to recommend the iPad Air 2 over the original iPad. But there's only one for recommending the iPad Air over the iPad Air 2, and that's $100. Which is why at Target on Thanksgiving evening, there were a lot of people getting iPad Air 2s and the $140 gift card. But right now, my recommendation for iPads is just the iPad Air 2 and nothing less than 64 gig of storage. Definitely not the 16 gig version. Mind you, that recommendation is based on listeners of this show being users. If you are purchasing an original iPad mini for $170 on Black Friday, or if you did purchase one on Black Friday for little Timmy to play Minecraft on, little Timmy will be more than happy. But you, as a listener of this show, picking between an iPad Air and an iPad Air 2, a couple of years from now, you'd really, really regret not getting the iPad Air 2. Okay, and since that last episode, uh, there were also dozens and dozens of other new posts in the TII Google Plus community, which is an Android Boys free zone and a spammer free zone. Yep, it is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your relatives, tell people you like, and maybe, eh, don't tell those ones you don't like. There's probably something wrong with them. But tell everybody you do like. And thanks to all 1,700 plus of you already in the community and contributing. One more thought on streaming boxes. Yep, back on the soapbox. There was a recent market research paper that was released by Parks Associates about market share of streaming media devices. And yes, they included Chromecast, which again, they should not have. 
So I will ignore that part of the results and look at the numbers for real streaming devices. What they found was back in 2012, the top streaming boxes were Roku number one, Apple TV number two, Sony in third. Jump to the first three quarters of 2014 and Roku is number one, Apple is still number two, and Amazon Fire TV is number three and catching up quickly to Apple TV. This is good news in that it really should be putting some pressure on Apple to update Apple TV, or I would hope or wish, actually do wish over and over. Come on, Apple, just update the device already. At this point, I just can't recommend the current Apple TV. I have a strong hold on Apple TV. Hopefully that will change to a strong buy early in 2015. Now, one thing that Park's market survey did not cover, and I would really love to see is what percentage of Netflix streaming is done with Apple TV versus Roku versus Amazon Fire versus other devices. That is the real percentage I'm interested in. Sadly, looking around the web and the internet tubes, I cannot find those numbers yet. I'll keep looking. And we have a new winner for the Captain Obvious Award, and it goes out to TechCrunch for their article titled, iPhone 6 and 6 Plus are shifting reading away from the iPad study finds. Really? Think? Hmm. So let me get this right. People got a bigger iPhone, and that is causing them to spend more time reading on the bigger iPhone and less time reading on the iPad, which is now not nearly that much bigger. Shocker! And they needed a survey to tell them that, why? Oh yeah, for link bait. So I guess they did their job, because... I'm guilty as charged, I link to it. Again, that is why year over year, the decline in iPad sales this quarter will be the biggest percentage-wise to date, or so we shall most likely see when Apple releases their numbers at the end of January. Not really sure what to call Sapphire rumors. Should I call them walkers or should I call them biters? I guess I'm going to go with walkers. I'll stay with the main characters from The Walking Dead. Those rumors just keep coming back from the dead. The latest Sapphire rumor has Foxconn setting up a mega plant to grow and cut sapphire in China. Quote, the China Economic Weekly reported Tuesday that Foxconn has signed an agreement with the Sengzhou city government in Henan province, central China, to set up a display factory on a 133-hectare plot of land next to an iPhone 6 assembly plant. The new factory is expected to manufacture sapphire displays for the next generation of Apple devices, the report said, unquote. Major issues with this rumor do I have. Zhengzhou is not in a desert environment. The reason Mesa, Arizona was chosen to grow sapphire, one of the main reasons, was due to the low humidity year-round. This is something known in the crystal world. There are plenty of other crystal companies growing quartz in Arizona and other crystals there as well. Actually, there's actually three key criteria for picking a spot to grow crystals of any type of crystals. One, low humidity, desert conditions. Two, is access to cheap hydroelectric power. And three, is low geologic activity, i.e. no earthquakes. Hence why Arizona was chosen for the Apple GTAT plant. And why Zhengzhou does not make sense at all. It's not a desert, and it has had major earthquakes. So I would say this rumor is busted, at least with regards to the city being reported on. And you have no idea how much time it took to look up and find all the information to prove out that Zhengzhou was not the right place. But what I should also really have done was find a good city in China that meets all the criteria. Now, every place in 
pretty much in China has good hydroelectric because they have lots of hydroelectric plants. But finding a desert community with low geologic activity, finding a city for like that that's close enough to get that course, it really doesn't have to be close enough because they could ship it by train, but something that met all three criteria in China, and then I should do a blog post. Source leaks information that Foxconn is building plant in that city because if you can find that city, there's a good chance if they are going to do this mega crystal growth in China, that's where it would be. Someplace, desert environment, low geologic activity, close to hydroelectric power. Now, part of me does believe that there is going to be sapphires sometime in the future because when I start thinking about it, with their agreement with GTAT, Apple, part of that agreement was that GTAT sell off those furnaces. Apple must know that they're able to sell them to somebody to pay off that debt. And if you remember, we talked about that essentially it was going to be the equivalent of all the capacity of sapphire growth in the world doubled. So all those furnaces, if somebody's buying them, they're going to be doing something with them. And I can't imagine someone's going to buy those furnaces without some sort of agreement with Apple to supply sapphire unless they're planning on supplying it to other people on, a, on the hopes and a prayer. But those furnaces are going somewhere. From Mac Rumors comes a rumor they claim to be a sketchy one out of Asia. But this is a rumor I predicted back in September. And that is, for 2015, Apple would roll out three new iPhones, a 4.7 and 5.5 updates to the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus, respectively, and also introduce a 4-inch version with the same A9 processor, what we assume will be the A9 processor, which completely makes sense. My wife, for one, does not want the larger iPhones and likes the size of the 5S, and lots of women do. So likely what we would see is the 5S moving down to the free iPhone option, the 6 and 6 Plus both going away completely, and the new 4-inch iPhone at $99, the 6S at $199, and the 6S Plus at $299. So you'd have 4-inch at $99, 4.7 at $199, and 5.5-inch at $299. And there is your new lineup for 2015. Or not as I'm sure I will have forgotten about this segment come September 2015. What Mac Rumors calls a sketchy rumor, to me just sounds like common sense, spread as a rumor. To the email bag. Hi Rob, even if they gave me $3,000, I wouldn't switch. Regards, Robin P. Hi Robin, I hear you there. And what Robin is talking about is BlackBerry will give you up to $550 to switch from your iPhone to the BlackBerry Passport. If you are thinking this reeks of desperation, well, duh, of course it does. I will not go over the details other than to say it is up to 550 and it depends on which iPhone you have and the shape it is in. I really can't see many, if anyone, trading their iPhones for a BlackBerry. But I guess by the general level of absurdity of this offer is what's actually generating a lot of press for it and for the BlackBerry Passport, which before this offer was announced, I don't think anyone even knew was out there. So maybe that was their marketing genius at work. I see him in the boardroom going, guys, let's make an offer so completely worthless and zero chance of working that the blogosphere will trip over themselves to make fun of it and thus give us lots and lots of publicity. And guilty as charged I am, I tripped over myself to talk about it, and many others did too. Brilliant marketing masterminds at BlackBerry. Brilliant. Never plan on detailed planning, that which can easily be explained by dumb luck. Hey, Rob, this is Sal out of New York. Just wanted to let you know 
there's a little known feature that iOS has unless you um, are using accessibility. But there's a feature where it does speech and it will speak the text on the screen. What's interesting is that it doesn't matter the language. So if you have Spanish or Thai, it'll actually read that text to you in that language. One of the coolest features I ever stumbled stumbled on. Anyway, keep the keep up the great work on the podcast and look forward to each one. Thanks. Take care. Sal, thanks for the voicemail. And as we mentioned earlier, to get to that feature, go to accessibilities, speech, and then look for a speak screen and then turn that on. Because by default it's turned off. So turn that on and then two fingers swipe down from the top of the screen, it will read the whole screen content for you. Hi, Rob. I would like to know what your children use on the iPad, both for enjoyment and learning. I have several grandchildren ranged from the ages of two to eight, and I don't know anyone who uses iOS with their children. Thank you very much. If you could help, regards, Ted from St. Louis. Hi, Ted. First and foremost, Minecraft. Both boys love creating in it and actually get a little too passionate about it sometimes when one is destroying something in the other one's world. Minion Rush is an app they keep going back to over and over again. For education, Stack the States and Stack the Countries are two apps they really like, and I highly recommend very good apps. Stack the States, Stack the Countries. Those are ones I've paid for. I don't pay for many. Back to games, they also are both into Clash of Clans, and most recently they purchased with their own money... I tried to talk them out of it. An app called Goat Simulator. It is $4.99. It's from Coffee Stain Productions, or excuse me, Coffee Stain Studios. Link in the show notes. This is where you get to be a goat and cause all kinds of havoc. And you can also be a penguin and then other animals. As a matter of fact, I asked Henry today which animals he's been. He said, I've been everything but the ostrich. Uh, the developers say it's a stupid game and not to waste your money on it. And I tried multiple days to talk them out of getting it and from them spending their money on it. But each day they were pretty determined to get it after seeing one of their friends play it. So now they have it and they're playing it quite a bit. So again, that's Goat Simulator. Hi Rob, since I updated my iPad to 8.1.1, my multi-finger gestures have been playing up a lot on me. They often don't work at all. I've tried toggling these on and off and all my standard attempts... Uh, fig- fixing a bug sort of restoring uh, have not worked. Has anyone else seen this issue or how and knows how to fix that? Please let me know. Any help is appreciated. Regards, Dan G. Dan, sorry to hear of your issues. I'm assuming you've already gone into settings, general, reset, reset network settings, and done that after force quitting all open apps. So if anyone out there has had this issue with iPad 4 where they updated to 8.1.1 and are now having issues with multi-finger gestures or had issues with multi-finger gestures and figured a way around it or to fix it, please let us know. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. For a Kickstarter project, we have one you have to make a quick decision on. You have until December 8th at 11.26 a.m. Central Time to fund this one. For some of you, it was already too late. But for the rest who have time, this is a very mod- this one had a very modest goal, $1,250, and has raised over $3,400 to date. It is the Armor Grip, one word, case. So Armor Grip case, which is a one-handed case for the iPhone 6 Plus. So you have that big old bad boy, but you find it tough to hold with one hand. Well, their case has an elastic strap on the back. 
you slip a few fingers or your hand through it, depending on your size of your hand, and it makes it really easy to hold with one hand where you are not almost dropping it all the time. Actually, it looks pretty good. Pricing on this is $49 for one, $79 for two, $99 for three. Delivery is estimated January 2015. Search for Armor Grip, one word, at kickstarter.com or in the show notes for episode 330 at todayinios.com. File this next one under It's a Slow News Day, or It's a Slow News Cycle, really, for that matter. This next one is pretty absurd, really, as it's on cnn.com. And it is about how a hacker was able to get around Touch ID security. Which, if I stopped right there, you would say, well, that doesn't sound too absurd for a CNN to cover. But see, in this case, the quote, hacker, unquote, is a seven-year-old kid. And how he got around Touch ID security is he took his dad's iPhone when his dad was sleeping and pressed his dad's thumb against a Touch ID sensor to unlock the phone so he could play Minecraft. And this is news on CNN. Why? Really? The thought that you could take someone's finger while they are sleeping and use it to unlock a phone never occurred to anyone at CNN before? Again, must be a really, really slow news cycle, especially when they include this quote in the article. Quote, this is a really serious problem, unquote. When talking about the police forcing you to unlock your iPhone, here's a little hint. If you're a bad guy... Maybe you don't want to use Touch ID. Just use a passcode. That way the courts can't force you to unlock it. But seriously, CNN, it is not April 1st. Save these types of articles until then. Just saying. So we know the iPhone 6 Plus went on sale at the end of September. And we know it has been really, really hard to find and get one since then. Many listeners are still waiting for theirs. Well, Kantar Worldwide Panel put out one of their link bait market reports. And yes, guilty as charged, I'm linking to it, or, well, to an article about it. This report covered the three months ending in October. So the 13-plus weeks covered, only about five of those weeks was the iPhone 6 Plus on sale for. And it still managed to garner 41% of all phablet sales in the U.S., with the phablet being defined as a 5.5-inch or larger smartphone. So if it was unconstrained for sales and available for the full three months, it would have been much, much greater than 41%, which was still pretty good. It will be interesting to see when someone releases numbers for the first full or this whole full quarter, fourth quarter, what percentage the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus managed to bring in in terms of sales. Hey, Rob. Good to chat with you. This is Rob in Tacoma, Washington. Hey, I'm calling because uh, I just discovered something that was kind of interesting. Uh, I use Find My iPhone to find my alternate devices in my house, and they're all hooked up to the Wi-Fi. And anyway, uh, I lose stuff all the time, so I'm constantly just using a Siri command to find my iPhone. It, it you know, does wonderfully. I find it within 20 seconds usually. But uh, one of my devices was actually airplaying into a, an external speaker. I have a Clips Audio AirPlay device that I play iTunes with and, you know, whatever else you want to listen to your podcast, for example, it's a good way to listen to it in the bathroom and whatnot. A little more detail, I suppose, than necessary. But anyway, uh, getting back to the point, I did find my iPhone and the pinging actually went through my third-party speaker. So in essence, I located my third-party speaker by triggering Find My iPhone, thus rendering the Find My iPhone useless in that scenario. So I thought I'd just pass that on, that if you have your device 
set to airplay something else and you use a Find My iPhone, it could wind up pinging you through your external speaker. And I thought that was interesting. Wanted to pass it on to your listeners. Thanks a lot. Bye. Rob, thanks for the feedback. Now, once you located that third-party speaker, just turn it off and then the iPhone should ping the next time you ping it right from the phone. If the speaker's turned off, it'll disconnect. Into the email bag we go. Hey, Rob, just wondering if you've heard anything at all regarding iTunes Radio coming to Canada. I've heard some people having it on their Apple TV, but not their iPhone or iPod. I feel frustrated like many Canadians that get excluded from many things that seem to only be offered in the U.S. Just wondering if I should stop hoping and waiting, or could you recommend an equally great app regards Mitchell C.? Hi, Mitchell. First, to the last part of your question, Pandora. Uh, Now, to the first part, honestly, if you had said, Rob, without looking, is iTunes radio available in Canada or not? I would have said, yeah, it is. I mean, I thought it was. I mean, it was a little over a year ago. We were talking about rumors of it launching in early 2014 and Apple hiring people for iTunes radio in Canada. And there were cases where in early 2014, iTunes radio started working for some users and then went away in Canada. So really, I would have thought it was out, except for the fact I can't find anything about it saying that it is out for Canada yet, or worse yet, anything saying when it will be out for Canada. Seems the Beats deal has slowed down the rollout of iTunes radio. At this point, I don't think it's possible to give even a rough estimate of when or if it will be available in Canada, other than to say, maybe sometime in the future, Maybe. Into the email bag we go, and this is a long one. Hi, Rob. My name is Luis from California. Long-time listener. Thanks a lot for the show. I have a few questions here that I would like for you to share with the audience so they can help me with some decisions. One, how can I make Gmail to delete a message that has been deleted on my iPad or iPhone? I did change to trash instead of archive, but still, if I delete an email either uh, from my iPhone or iPad, when I get to my PC, it's still there. Please, if anyone knows how to do it, let me know. Two, I'm a first-time iPad owner. I got the iPad Air 2, 128-gig cellular question. We have grandfathered the unlimited data from AT&T, but it gets throttled down when we reach 2 or 3-gig which makes it no longer um, sense to keep the plan. We're actually paying 180-ish for our family plan with two licenses and 1,400 minutes unlimited data and text with one year left prior to expiration. Can you share the details of your T-Mobile plan, please? And also ask, ask the audience what would they do or have done uh, we've been having two iPhone 5s's and an iPad Air 2 or, is it just makes sense to wait until contract expires? If so, where and which plan to get in the meantime for iPad? Three, I also like to invite the audience for recommendations of cases for the iPad Air 2. I'm in the construction industry making cabinets. If anyone has a good experience with a case that's not too big and bulky, please share. Four, I like to mention that I recently received my new iPhone 5S case. It's from Spygen. Very well done. It keeps the nice thin look of the iPhone, but at the same time, it has very good protection. And five, lastly, please ask the audience from Orange County, California to share their experience with T-Mobile. 
We've been uh, using AT&T for about seven years. Best regards, Luis A. Luis, thanks for all those questions. Yeah, I can't uh, obviously comment on the last one. I don't live there, but T-Mobile definitely, depending where you live, may be great, may not be so great. But I think you could say that about most carriers, although Verizon's pretty good no matter where you live. Per T-Mobile, this will go back up to your second question, and that is I do have um, 5 gig of uh, hotspot data with my iPhone that I can use for iPads. So that's better than the 2 gig that you're getting currently. So you may want to just cancel the plan altogether on your iPad and do that. Plus, you can also get at least 250 meg free each month or 200 meg or 200 or 250 meg free from T-Mobile for your iPad. For your other questions, I'll leave those to the audience. If anyone has any other answers for Luis, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hey, Rob. This is Hector from uh, Miami, Florida. Got a couple of things here to share with the uh, with the show. Uh, first off, I had heard some callers in previous shows talking about apps that were hanging up when you did a restore um, I was having that issue with uh, apps just hanging there as though they were downloading, but they never would. Uh, not only apps, but my music also uh, would not sync properly. After the latest update, um, it seems all that stuff was, was fixed. Uh, another thing I got going on, I just uh, changed my plan over to T-Mobile on my uh, unlocked 5S, and I did not get any reception in the house with T-Mobile. I read them you know, extensively online that many people have that issue. And uh, with the Wi-Fi calling, though, I just want to say that it's it's really awesome. I just kind of wanted to hear some other people's feedbacks on what they think of Wi-Fi calling. I actually, I don't know if this is commonly known. I haven't heard this mentioned on the show. They will give you a free router. It's an Asus router that's uh, AC, does have the AC band available. And it looks like a pretty good router. I just happened to buy a router a few days ago, so I'm going to return that. As soon as my uh, my T-Mobile router arrives, actually they shipped it to me, or they're going to ship it uh, for free, so there's no cost involved. So that sounds like a good deal. Anyway, I just wanted to swing by those uh, couple of things there for the show. So anyway, thanks for what you do. Thank you, man. All right, bye bye. Hector, thanks for the feedback. Hi, Rob. Have you looked into the new jailbreak for iOS 8.1.1? I've installed it on two of my devices, and it is working very well. Just giving you a heads up regards, Justin. Hi, Justin. Thanks for the feedback. And yes, that jailbreak came out pretty darn quick. For those wondering who TAIG is, that's the group that did this jailbreak. And, well, keep wondering who they are because even Sorek from Cydia does not know. That said, he did say it, quote, is probably safe, unquote. He did also say he's not the best to say if it is safe or not. Uh, That responsibility or knowledge base, he throws over to Muscle Nerd, and he said he is a much better person to listen to when it comes to whether a jailbreak is safe or not, and Muscle Nerd had said this jailbreak does look safe. On November 29th, Muscle Nerd suggested everyone wait a few days just in case. Since then, only positive words from Muscle Nerd, so it does look to be a jailbreak that you can go forward with if you are running iOS 8.1.1 and have a Windows computer. So far, this is just for Windows. If you go to their site, taig.com, in the upper right, click on EN, and then the site will go to English from Chinese. 
then download the jailbreak software. There's a tutorial on the site. As always, back up, back up, and, well, back up before jailbreaking. Also quit all open apps and do everything I recommend prior to doing an update of software. As with any jailbreak, don't jailbreak if you don't like when things break. You know, half of the word of jailbreak is break. Oh, and right before you go on a business trip, bad idea to jailbreak. Bad things can happen when jailbroken, and the more jailbroken apps and tweaks that you install, the more likely you are going to have issues. So as I always say, if you don't like the way your significant other folds towels or hangs the toilet paper on the roll, you're not the personality to be jailbreaking. Hey Rob, it's Dave from New Jersey, and I got an iPhone 6 uh, problem where the volume control, when adjusted while looking at the screen, the little icon comes up. And instead of it saying ringer volume when you're adjusting the ringer, it says headphones, whether the headphones are plugged in or not. And the problem is you can't hear any of the uh, things coming out of the phone. No podcasts like your great podcast or any one other, other one, any music or actual phone calls. I called Apple Care and they told me that I should blow out the phone. There might be some dust in the lightning connector or in the earphone jack. I did that. Nothing. Uh, that didn't work. I tried uh, resetting the phone. That didn't work several times, in fact. I also tried restoring the phone to factory settings, and that didn't work. Finally, Apple Care says, okay, we'll make you an appointment with the Genius Bar. I went to the Genius Bar, and they did the same things. They blew, tried to blow it out. They tried to see if there was dust in there. The guy looked in there with a flashlight, all that kind of stuff. The long and short of it is, there was no fix for the phone, and this is the second one that's happened to. So the point is, if you've got a phone that's, instead of one adjusting the volume and you're looking at the screen and it says headphone volume instead of ringer volume, and even if your headphones are plugged in or not, you're going to be probably going to the Genius Bar for a new phone. Um, I don't know why it's happening. I see a lot of guys on the Internet that have had problems similar to this with their iPads and their iPad minis. And uh, I don't know what the answer is, but Apple doesn't either, obviously. So they take the phone back and give you a new one. I might point out that the phone did work when it was on Bluetooth in the car. So if you guys only use your phone for Bluetooth and this isn't happening, try unplugging the Bluetooth once in a while and make sure that you're using it like a regular phone to see if it works. So that's it. Rob, great show. Sorry to make it such a long thing, but it's aggravating. It took me almost six hours to restore everything. Great show. Absolutely love it. Hope to talk to you again soon. Keep up the great work, the absolute great work. Catch you later. Bye. Hey, Rob, it's Dave from New Jersey. And I forgot to mention in my last message that lynda.com is absolutely amazing. Thanks so much for the uh, tip on their, uh, on their products and uh, the promo code. Awesome, awesome stuff. Sorry to call back again, but I had to tell you that. I forgot in the last message. Take care. Bye-bye. Dave, thanks for the feedback, for both of those feedbacks. Into the email bag we do go. Hi, Rob. I wanted to ask you about iCloud Photo Library Beta. I have a rather large photo library on my iPhone, 11.2 gig. This type of memory affects my storage in iCloud and takes up a huge chunk of it. Is iCloud Photo Library a good idea to turn on, or will it eat up more of my iCloud storage on top of my current storage issues? Thanks for your help. Regards, Johan. Well, I guess it really depends on how much storage you have on the device. I tend to go for the higher storage devices, 128 gigs now when I can get them. That usually does it to cover me for most of the photos I have. So 
I've got photo libraries that are 40, 50 gig in size. So for me, I, I, it's one of the reasons I go to 128 gig so I can fit all my photos into uh, my wife's iPad, for example, has all the photos we have copied over. So we have it on my computer and on her, her iPad. If anything ever happened to one or the other, we still have all our photos. Now, the way Apple has iCloud storage priced, it's really six of this or half a dozen the other. For example, if you have an iPad for four years and you upgrade to 200 gig, you're spending $48 a month, basically spending $200 to get 200 gig of iCloud storage. You're also spending $200 if you want to get 128 gig of storage on your iPad. I guess if your real main focus of getting the 128 gigs is photos, I guess it's actually a better deal to go with iCloud because for iCloud, for a little less than $200, you get 200 gigs of storage. Yet, if you spend $200 going from a 16 gig to 128 gig iPad, you only gain 112 gig of extra storage. And again, the $200 for iCloud is based on you owning an iPad for four years and the cost of having the $4 plan each month. That's what the 200 gig pricing is right now. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Just wanted to let you know I got myself an iPhone 6 and I couldn't be happier. Actually, I had it for about a month now and I freaking love it. Touch ID is just magical. iOS 8 runs so much better on my iPhone 6 than it did on my iPhone 4S. And I have the Alex voice. I loved Alex on my Mac, but he sounds just amazing on my iPhone. There is one thing I want to know, though. On an earlier episode, you talked about a mishap you had where a third-party lightning cable practically bricked your MacBook. Now, I know you were able to fix your computer, but you had to open up the back of it to do it. I, on the other hand, am not a hardware kind of person. The thought of opening my MacBook Pro makes me really nervous. So what I want to know is this. Would an official Apple lightning cable cause my MacBook Pro to shut down the way yours did? Or is this just something that happens with cheap third-party cables? I would really love to know because right now I'm so scared to plug my uh, uh, official Apple Lightning cable into my MacBook Pro that I keep using an older iPhone cable with an adapter to sync my new iPhone. That's working for me just fine, but I would still like to know if it's safe for me to use my Apple Lightning cable with my computer. It's a mid-2012 model MacBook Pro. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Regards, Shandy. Shandy, the official Apple cables will not cause the ish issue. This is something that happened to me with a cheap third-party cable and something I only heard of happening to others also using cheap third-party cables. It should not happen with the official cable, and I have not seen any reports saying that has happened with the official cables. Sorry if my story got you concerned for no reason. I just wanted to warn people, especially MacBook Pro users, those with 2011-2012 MacBook Pros, like yourself and myself, that they really need to stay clear of third-party lightning cables because there is some issue with the MacBook Pros for those years and the lightning cables that are not official Apple lightning cables. The official ones, good to go. And I guess I should repeat the solution that I found if your MacBook Pro ever does get bricked like mine was, and it was bricked. I mean, it was dead. It wasn't coming back. Open it up, disconnect the battery. With the battery disconnected, then connect the power cord to the device. Somehow that jump starts it, and that's what brought it back to life for me. Uh, but yeah, you, 
that was the only way I could get it to come back to life. Thanks again to lynda.com for their support of TII. And if you go to lynda.com slash TII, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII, you will get a free 10-day trial for their 3,100-plus video tutorials. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring this show and for that free offer. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it could be a question or rant you have about something else, an app, a product review, good or bad. As long as it is iOS-related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for new artwork to feature that you've created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And, of course, we are always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. It's your show, and your feedback is greatly desired. And don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com community. And finally, there is a new and updated TII app that is now free to you. Search for TII in the iTunes App Store is the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released. Please go right now and download the TII app. And one more thing to add, after the music today, there is a review of the OtterBox LifeProof case. It's a long review, so I'm putting it at the end after the music. Please stick around and listen to that review from Paul G. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Well, except for the stuff that's going to come after what is going to do it for us today. As always, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. The show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.
Hello, Rob. This is Paul G. in Lawrenceville. I have a review to share, and it's a head-to-head -head comparison of two rugged iPhone 6 cases. The two I'm comparing are the OtterBox Defender versus the LifeProof Fray. Let's start with the bottom line and then move to the details for listeners who just want to fast-forward to the next item. Uh, the OtterBox Defender is a rugged case. Everyone knows that, and it's been one for a long time. They now have it for the iPhone 6. They were available just after launch. Uh, before you begin to laugh about belt clips, it has one, but it can actually be used as a kickstand. That's an advantage. Uh, the OtterBox Defender's main advantage, of course, is protection against drops or bumps, dust, and dirt. There are trade-offs, and one is that it isn't waterproof. Uh, the other is it has a poor screen protector, and the Defender has more bulk than the LifeProof case does. Bottom line on the LifeProof free case is that it's another good rugged case, but it has no belt clip. Uh, that's a disadvantage, I guess. There's one main advantage. The Defender is waterproof, and that's in addition to its great protection. The screen protector also fits great, and the case is not as bulky as the OtterBox Defender. The winner for me was the LifeProof Fray. Uh, the other thing to mention about the bottom line is cost. The OtterBox Defender is about $20 cheaper than the LifeProof Fray. That's a retail price comparison of $59.90 for the OtterBox Defender versus $79.99 for the LifeProof Fray. So your mileage may vary if you find discounts somewhere. In the spirit of full disclosure, this comparison came about quite accidentally, so I didn't compare other cheaper OtterBox cases like the commuter model, nor did I compare the cheaper LifeProof Nude model. In fact, as of Thanksgiving, the LifeProof folks haven't had the time, I guess, to get the Nude cases ready for the iPhone 6. They're not available on their website yet. Now for the details of the review. I bought the Defender for my iPhone 6 about a month ago at a local Best Buy mobile store. At the time, LifeProof didn't have their cases ready yet, um, so I didn't really have many choices. I knew the Defender wasn't waterproof, but I settled for it because there were no waterproof options when the iPhone 6 launched except for the good old Ziploc bag. Two problems caused me to return the Defender to the store a couple of days later. First, the Defender's screen protector design is not very good. The clear plastic was not held tight enough against the iPhone's screen, so when I typed a text or an email, I had to slow down to be sure the keystrokes were being captured correctly by the iPhone. Uh, there was a tactile deflection of the Defender's screen protector before it contacted the iPhone's touchscreen. This created some bad Fat fingering, and with automatic word correction, I sent some really weirdly misworded messages. 
The second issue with the OtterBox Defender was an unexpected consequence. The case is just too thick and deep to easily use the lightning port. You can't really grip the lightning cable's plug very well once you get it into your iPhone 6 because the OtterBox case only leaves a few millimeters of the plug to grip. Problem here is you may be forced to pull on the cable itself which can lead to cable failure of the expensive type. To be fair, this point has been covered in other reviews, but the store, uh, most in stores, most buyers don't have a chance to try this out and test how their own fingertips will grip the plug once it's inserted through the OtterBox case. So the Defender failed my keep it simple and foolproof test. It also was wider than my car carrier could hold and that meant I had to get another car carrier because I had an OtterBox. So I took it back to the store and that meant I was going around with my iPhone 6 without really good protection. I was just using the standard Apple case that I bought when I got the phone. So now fast forward to November 20th and I got an email from LifeProof that their iPhone 6 case was ready. Um, only the fray was ready, of course, and as an aside, when I returned the OtterBox Defender, I had signed up with LifeProof to be notified upon their case being released. That's how I found out. I immediately went uh, online and bought the LifeProof Fray, and it arrived yesterday, the 25th. A quick side note, when you choose among shipping methods uh, and you're ordering online with LifeProof, keep in mind that FedEx SmartPost is the cheapest, but it really means that you get the package delivered by your U.S. mail carrier. Not an issue for me, but some listeners may not know that wrinkle. Anyway, back to the LifeProof case. It snaps onto the iPhone easy enough, much the same way as the Defender did. The first thing I noticed was that the fitment of the screen protector was much better than the Defender. Typing on the touchscreen was really flawless. Another item I noted was the protective membrane that covers the Touch ID home button on the iPhone 6 was better than the Defender's flimsy plastic one. The case is easier to hold one-handed too because it's sleeker and slimmer than the OtterBox Defender. Uh, there are some trade-offs though with the LifeProof case. Um, they are not enough for me to kick it to the curb and return it. I'm keeping it. First one is the waterproof headphone jack design. If you want 100% water protection, you must screw a short 3.5mm cable dongle into the LifeProof case's opening for the headphone jack. It is a slightly difficult procedure since you need to use a good deal of twisting finger pressure to get the O-ring on the jack to pop into place while it seals the opening tight to the case. If your fingers are wet or even slightly slippery for any reason, you might make a mistake and not get the dongle screwed into the case completely. Then it wouldn't be waterproof. Those of, those of us who understand twisting plastic fasteners to a finger-tight level might stop as the jack tightens, but that first tight spot is really just the O-ring becoming compressed. If you are ever in doubt about the dongle getting fully seated, you really need to test it out. Just plug in your headset to the dongle's jack, then try to activate Siri via the headphones button 
If you did it wrong, Siri won't wake up because all of the dongle's tip and ring connectors aren't making contact with the iPhone's jack. If you know you're going into a wet or snowy environment with your iPhone and going to use the LifeProof Fray case, then I suggest getting the dongle installed correctly beforehand indoors. That way it's dry and it's easier to check. Yes, it looks dorky with you walking around with a dongle hanging from your phone if you're not using the headset, but you will be sure about your waterproofness. The LifeProof Fray case has all the iPhone buttons covered to protect them, just like the OtterBox did, but the ringer switch is a difficult one to flip on the LifeProof Fray case because the case covers the visual reference. You can't tell what position it's in. So you need to flip it with a fingernail to be sure which position you're in, whether it's silent ringer or regular ringer. Furthermore, for those of you who chew your fingernails, of course, don't do that. Can't you remember your mom told you that was a bad thing? Well, for the life-proof phrase case, you won't be able to flip the ringer switch very well. It really requires a fingernail. To close this review out, I'd like to say the LifeProof case won this comparison for me just in time. That's because my new LifeProof case is already sporting a nice long gouge on its backside, one which would have been imparted onto my nice clean space gray iPhone 6 itself were it not for the fact it had been cradled in the fray just hours before the fall. Uh, good timing, don't you think? And before anyone thinks Otter the Company loses out in this head-to-head -head review, it is actually a win-win in the end. That's because, as many listeners may already know, Otter the Company makes OtterBox cases. They bought the LifeProof Company last year. So whether you choose an OtterBox Defender or a LifeProof Fray, then Otter the Company wins in the end. Anyway, thanks for listening, Rob. And keep up the good work for those of us who can't keep up with everything iOS due to our day jobs. And hope everyone has a happy holiday.